This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hello, this is Let's Talk About Myths, baby, and I am your host, Liv, here with yet another episode of Apollonius's Argonautica. These are getting more and more fun, so I hope everyone's liking it. I'll admit that first episode had me kind of concerned with how enjoyable it would be, but as we get more and more into the drama that is Jason and the Argonauts and how little Jason actually does, even though he seems to get everything named after him... As you will see in this episode, um, I think we're we're on the right track for it being an entertaining set of reading episodes, though, as you have seen, they are, again, going to be interspersed with conversation, so you get a little bit of everything, which I love, and I hope you love it as well. Now, where we last left Jason and his Argonaut pals, they had encountered the Lemnian women on Lemnos with their queen, Hypsipyle. I love the Lemnian women. I think it's hilarious that they killed all the men. They seem to have a good reason. The men kidnapped all these women from Thrace and then ignored their wives for their kidnapped women. Horrible stuff. Just real dark. And so the Lemnian women killed him. So there you go. Um, but of course, there is the bit of tragedy there because they present Hypsipyle as being so sad when Jason leaves. Ugh. But like I said, you can listen to those episodes as I've covered them in the podcast, which means Hypsipyle actually gets a voice, unlike in the Argonautica. But 
that is basically where we left off. They had briefly stopped on another island. They call it the island of Electra. I believe that makes it the island of Samothrace, which had its own set of mystery cult associated with it. Um, that being because Harmonia of Samothrace is often called the daughter of Electra. Little nerdy details there. But as we continue on, we are dealing with more of the more famous moments of the Argonauts, including today's episode with Heracles and Hylas, but no spoilers. So without any further of my epic, non-scripted rambling, this is the Argonautica by Apollonius, translated by R.C. Seton, Book 1, Part 3. Thence did they row with eagerness over the depths of the Black Sea, having on the one side the land of the Thracians, on the other Imbros on the south, and as the sun was just setting, they reached the foreland of the Chersonesus. There a strong wind blew for them, and raising the sails to the breeze, they entered the swift stream of the maiden daughter of Athamas. And at dawn the sea to the north was left behind, and at night they were coasting inside of the Retian shore, with the land of Ida on their right. And leaving Dardania, they directed the course to Abydus, and after it they sailed past Percoti, and the sandy beach of Abarnus and divine Petia, and in that night, as the ship sped on by sail and oar, they passed right through the Hellespont, dark, gleaming with eddies. There's a lofty island inside the Propontis, a short distance from the Phrygian mainland with its rich cornfields sloping to the sea, where an isthmus in front of the mainland is flooded by the waves, so low does it lie. And the isthmus has double shores, and they lie beyond the river Esopus, and the inhabitants round them call the island the Mount of Bears. And insolent and fierce men dwell there, earth-born, a great marvel to the neighbors to behold. For each has six mighty hands to lift up, two from his sturdy shoulders, and four below, fitting close to his terrible sides." And about the Isthmus and the plain of the Doliones had their dwelling, and over them Cazicus, son of Aeneas, was king, whom Aeneti, the daughter of goodly Eusorus, bare. But these men, the earthborn monsters, fearful though they were, in no wise harried, owing to the protection of Poseidon, far from him the Doliones first sprung. Thither Argo pressed on, driven by the winds of Thrace, and the fair haven received her as she sped. There they cast away their small anchor-stone by the advice of Typhus, and left it beneath a fountain, the fountain of Artii, and they took another meat for their purpose, a heavy one, but the first according to the oracle of the far darter, the Ionian sons of Nellius, in after days laid to be a sacred stone, as was right, in the temple of Jasonian Athena." Now the Doliones and Cazicus himself all came together to meet them with friendliness, 
and when they knew of the quest and their lineage welcomed them with hospitality and persuaded them to row further and to fasten their ship's hawsers to the city harbor. Here they built an altar to Ecbassian Apollo and set it up on the beach, and gave heed to sacrifices. And the king of his own bounty gave them sweet wine and sheep in their need, for he had heard a report that whenever a godlike band of heroes should come, straightway he should meet it with gentle words and should have no thought of war. As with Jason, the soft down was just blooming on his chin, nor yet had it been his lot to rejoice in children, but still in his palace a wife was untouched by the pangs of childbirth, the daughter of Procosian Merops, fair-haired Clytie, whom lately by priceless gifts he had brought from her father's home from the mainland opposite. But even so he left his chamber and bridal bed and prepared a banquet among the strangers, casting all fears from his heart. And they questioned one another in turn. Of them he would learn the end of their voyage and the injunctions of Peleus, when they inquired about the cities of the people round and the gulf of the wide Propontis. But further he could not tell them for all their desire to learn. In the morning they climbed mighty Dindymon, that they might themselves behold the various paths of that sea. And they brought their ship from its former anchorage to the harbour, Kytus, and the path they trod is named the path of Jason." But the earth-born men on the other side rushed down from the mountain and with crags below blocked up the mouth of vast Kytus towards the sea, like men lying in wait for a wild beast within. But there Heracles had been left behind with the younger heroes, and he quickly bent his back, springing bow against the monsters, and brought them to earth one after another. And they in their turn raised huge, ragged rocks and hurled them, for these dread monsters too, I ween, the goddess Hera, bride of Zeus, had nurtured to be a trial for Heracles. And therewithal came the rest of the martial heroes, returning to meet the foe before they reached the height of outlook, and they fell to the slaughter of the earth-born, receiving them with arrows and spears until they slew them all as they rushed fiercely to battle. And as when woodcutters cast in rows upon the beach long trees just hewn down by their axes, in order that, once sodden with brine, they may receive the strong bolts, so these monsters at the entrance of the foam-fringed harbour lay stretched one after another, some in heaps bending their heads and breasts into the salt waves with their limbs spread out above on the land. Others again were resting their heads on the sand of the shore and their feet in the deep water, both alike a prey to birds and fishes at once. But the heroes, when the contest was ended without fear, loosed the ship's hawsers to the breath of the wind and pressed on through the sea swell, and the ship sped on under sail all day. But when night came, the rushing wind did not hold steadfast, but contrary blasts caught them and held them back till they again approached the hospitable Doliones. And they stepped ashore that same night, and the rock is still called the Sacred Rock, round which they threw the ship's hawsers in their haste. Nor did anyone note with care that it was the same island, nor in the night did the Doliones clearly perceive that the heroes were returning." but they deemed that Pelasgian war-men of the Macrians had landed. Therefore they donned their armor and raised their hands against them, and with clashing of ashen spears and shields they fell on each other, like the swift rush of fire which falls on brushwood and rears its quest, and the din of battle terrible and furious 
fell upon the people of the Doliones. Nor was the king to escape his fate and return home from battle to his bridal chamber and bed. But Eason's son leapt upon him as he turned to face him and smote him in the middle of the breast, and the bone was shattered round the spear. He rolled forward in the sand and filled up the measure of his fate. For that no mortal may escape, but on every side a wide snare encompasses us. And so, when he thought that he had escaped bitter death from the chiefs, fate entangled him that very night in her toils while battling with them, and many champions withal were slain. Heracles killed Telecles and Megabrontes, and Acastus slew Sphodris, and Peleus slew Zealous and Gepherus swift in war. Telamon of the strong spear slew Basilius, and Ida slew Promius, and Clytius Hyacinthus, and the two sons of Tyndarius slew Tyndarius, slew Megalosakis and Phlogius, and after them the sons of Aeneas slew Itomenius and Artachius, leader of men, all of whom the inhabitants still honor with the worship due of heroes." And the rest gave way and fled in terror, just as doves fly in terror before swift-winged hawks. And with a din they rustled in a body to the gates, and quickly the city was filled with loud cries at the turning of the dolorous fight. But at dawn both sides perceived the fatal and cureless error, and bitter grief seized the Minian heroes when they saw before them Cazicus son of Aeneas fallen in the midst of dust and blood— and for three whole days they lamented and rent their hair, they and the Doliones. Then three times round his tomb they paced in armor of bronze and performed funeral rites and celebrated games, as was meet, upon the meadow plain, where even now rises the mound of his grave to be seen by men of a later day. No, nor was his bride Clytie left behind her dead husband, but to crown the ill she wrought an ill yet more awful when she clasped a noose round her neck. Her death even the nymphs of the grove bewailed, and of all the tears for her that they shed to earth from their eyes the goddesses made a fountain, which they call Clytie, the illustrious name of the hapless maid. Most terrible came that day from Zeus upon the Doliones, women and men, for no one of them dared even to taste food, nor for a long time, by reason of grief, did they take thought for the toil of the corn mill, but they dragged on their lives, eating their food as it was, untouched by fire. Here, even now, when the Ionians that dwell in Kazikas pour their yearly libations for the dead, they ever grind the meal for the sacrificial cakes at the common mill." This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. 
You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. After this, fierce tempests arose for twelve days and nights together and kept them from their sailing. But in the next night, the rest of the chieftains, overcome by sleep, were resting during the latest period of the night, while Acastus and Mopsus, the son of Ampeus, kept guard over their deep slumbers. And above the golden head of Aeson's son there hovered a halcyon prophesying with shrill voice the ceasing of the stormy winds. And Mopsus heard and understood the cry of the bird of the shore, fraught with good omen. And some god made it turn aside, and flying aloft it settled upon the stern ornament of the ship. And the seer touched Jason as he lay wrapped in soft sheepskin, and awoke him at once, and thus spoke, Son of Aeson, thou must climb to this temple on rugged Dindymon, and propitiate the mother of all the blessed gods on her fair throne, and the stormy blasts shall cease. For such was the voice I heard but now from the halcyon, bird of the sea, which, as it flew above thee in thy slumber, told me all. For by her power the winds and the sea and all the earth below and the snowy seat of Olympus are complete. And to her, when from the mountains she ascends the mighty heaven, Zeus himself, the son of Cronus, gives place. In like manner the rest of the immortal blessed ones reverence the dread goddess." Thus he spoke, and his words were welcome to Jason's ear, and he arose from his bed with joy and woke all his comrades hurriedly and told them the prophecy of Mopsus the son of Ampicus, and quickly the younger men drove oxen from their stalls and began to lead them to the mountain's lofty summit, and they loosed the hawsers from the sacred rock and rowed to the Thracian harbor, and the heroes climbed the mountain, leaving a few of their comrades in the ship. And to them the Macrian heights and the coast of Thrace opposite appeared to view close at hand. And there appeared the misty mouth of Bosporus and the Mycenaean hills, and on the other side the stream of the river Aesopus and the city of the Nepean plains of Adrastia. 
Now there was a sturdy stump of vine that grew in the forest, a tree exceeding old. This they cut down, to be the sacred image of the mountain goddess, and Argus smoothed it skillfully, and they set it upon that rugged hill beneath the canopy of lofty oaks, which of all trees have their roots deepest. And near it they heaped an altar of small stones, and wreathed their brows with oak leaves, and paid heed to sacrifice, invoking the mother of Dendymon, most venerable dweller in Phrygia, and Titius, and Calenus, who alone of many are called the dispensers of doom and assessors of the Idean mother, the Idean dactyls of Crete, whom once the nymph Anchiali, as she grasped with both hands the land of Oaxis, bare in the Dictean cave, and with many prayers did Aeson's son beseech the goddess to turn aside the stormy blasts as he poured libations on the blazing sacrifice. And at the same time, by command of Orpheus, the youths trod a measure dancing in full armor and clashed with their swords on their shields, so that the ill-omened cry might be lost in the air, the wail which the people were still sending up in grief for their king. Hence from that time forward, the Phrygians propitiate Rhea with the wheel and the drum, and the gracious goddess Iween inclined her heart to pious sacrifices and favorable signs appeared. The trees shed abundant fruit, and round their feet the earth of its own accord put forth flowers from the tender grass, and the beasts of the wild wood left their lairs and thickets and came up fawning on them with their tails. And she caused yet another marvel, for hitherto there was no flow of water in Dindymon, but then for them an unceasing stream gushed forth from its thirsty peak just as it was, and the dwellers around in aftertimes called that stream the Spring of Jason." And then they made a feast in honor of the goddess on the Mount of Bears, singing the praises of Rhea most venerable. But at dawn the winds had ceased, and they rode away from the island. Thereupon a spirit of contention stirred each chieftain, who should be the last to leave his oar. For all around the windless air smoothed the swirling waves and lulled the sea to rest, and they, trusting in the calm, mightily drove the ship forward, and as she sped through the salt sea, not even the storm-footed steeds of Poseidon would have overtaken her. Nevertheless, when the sea was stirred by violent blasts which were just rising from the rivers about evening, for spent with toil, they ceased. But Heracles, by the might of his arms, pulled the weary rowers along altogether, and made the strong-knit timbers of the ship to quiver." But when, eager to reach the Mycenaean mainland, they passed along in sight of the mouth of Rindias and the great cairn of Aegeon, a little way from Phrygia, then Heracles, as he ploughed up the furrows of the roughened surge, broke his oar in the middle. And one half he held in both his hands as he fell sideways, the other the sea swept away with its receding wave. And he sat up in silence, glaring round, for his hands were unaccustomed to be idle. Now at the hour when from the field some delver or plowman goes gladly home to his hut, longing for his evening meal, and there on the threshold all squalid with dust, bows his wearied knees, and, beholding his hands worn with toil, with many a curse reviles his belly. At that hour the heroes reached the homes of the Chianian land, near the Arganthonian mount and the outfall of Chius. Them as they came in friendliness, the Mycenaeans, inhabitants of that land, hospitably welcomed, and gave them in their need provisions and sheep and abundant wine. 
Hereupon some brought dried wood, others from the meadows leaves for their beds, which they gathered in abundance for strewing, whilst others were twirling sticks to get fire. Others again were mixing wine in the bowl and making ready the feast, after sacrificing at nightfall to Apollo Ecbasius. But the son of Zeus, having duly enjoined on his comrades to prepare the feast, took his way into a wood that he might first fashion for himself an oar to fit his hand. Wandering about, he found a pine not burdened with many branches, nor too full of leaves, but like to the shaft of a tall poplar, so great was it in both length and thickness to look at. And quickly he laid on the ground his arrow-holding quiver together with his bow, and took off his lion's skin, and he loosed the pine from the ground with his bronze-tipped club, and grasped the trunk with both hands at the bottom, relying on his strength, and he pressed it against his broad shoulder with legs wide apart, and clinging close he raised it from the ground, deep-rooted though it was, together with clods of earth. And as when unexpectedly, just at the time of the stormy setting of baleful Orion, a swift gust of wind strikes down from above and wrenches a ship's mast from its stays, wedges and all, so did Heracles lift the pine. And at the same time he took up his bow and arrows, his lion skin and club, and started on his return. Meantime Hylas, with pitcher of bronze in hand, had gone apart from the throng, seeking the sacred flow of a fountain, that he might be quick in drawing water for the evening meal, and actively make all things ready in due order against his lord's return. For in such ways did Heracles nurture him from his first childhood, when he had carried him off from the house of his father, goodly Theodomas, whom the hero pitilessly slew among the Dreopians, because he withstood him about an ox for the plough. Theodamus was cleaving with his plough the soil of fallow land when he was smitten with the curse, and Heracles bade him give up the ploughing ox against his will, for he desired to find some pretext for war against the Dreopians for their bane, since they dwelt there reckless of right. But these tales would lead me far astray from my song." And quickly Hylas came to the spring, which the people who dwell thereabouts called Pegai. And the dances of the nymphs were just now being held there, for it was the care of all the nymphs that haunted that lovely headland ever to him, Artipus, in songs by night. All who held the mountain peaks or glens, all they were ranged afar off guarding the woods. But one, a water nymph, was just rising from the fair flowing spring, and the boy she perceived close at hand with the rosy flush of his beauty and sweet grace, for the full moon beaming from the sky smote him. And Cyprus made her heart faint, and in her confusion she could scarcely gather her spirit back to her. But as soon as he dipped the pitcher in the stream, leaning to one side, and the brimming water rang loud as it poured against the sounding bronze, Straightway she laid her left arm above upon his neck, yearning to kiss his tender mouth, and with her right hand she drew down his elbow and plunged him into the midst of the eddy. Alone of his comrades, the hero Polyphemus, son of Ilatus, as he went forward on the path, heard the boy's cry, for he expected the return of mighty Heracles, and he rushed after the cry near Pegai, like some beast of the wild wood whom the bleeding of sheep has reached from afar, and burning with hunger he follows, but does not fall in with the flocks, for the shepherds beforehand have penned them in the fold, but he groans and roars vehemently until he is weary. Thus vehemently at that time did the son of Ilatus groan and wandered shouting round the spot, and his voice rang piteous. 
Then, quickly drawing his great sword, he started in pursuit, in fear lest the boy should be the prey of wild beasts, or men should have lain in ambush for him faring all alone, and be carrying him off, an easy prey. Hereupon, as he brandished his bare sword in his hand, he met Heracles himself on the path, and well he knew him as he hastened the ship in the darkness. And straightway he told the wretched calamity, while his heart labored with his panting breath, my poor friend, I shall be the first to bring thee tidings of bitter woe. Hylas has gone to the well and is not returned safe, but robbers have attacked and are carrying him off, or beasts are tearing him to pieces. I heard his cry. Thus he spoke, and when Heracles heard his words, sweat in abundance poured down from his temples, and the black blood boiled beneath his heart. And in wrath he hurled the pine to the ground and hurried along the path, whither his feet bore on his impetuous soul. And as when a bull stung by the gadfly tears along, leaving the meadows and the marshland, and wrecks not of herdsmen or herd, but presses on, now without cheek, now standing still, and raises his broad neck, he bellows loudly, stung by the maddening fly. So he, in his frenzy, now would ply his swift knees unresting, now again would cease from toil and shout afar with loud pealing cry. But straight away, the morning star rose above the topmost peaks, and the breeze swept down, and quickly did Typhus urge them to go aboard and avail themselves of the wind. And they embarked eagerly forthwith, and they drew up the ship's anchors and hauled the ropes astern, and the sails were bellied out by the wind, and far from the coast were they joyfully borne past Poseidon headland. But at the hour when gladsome dawn shines from heaven, rising from the east, and the paths stand out clearly, and the dewy plains shine with a bright gleam, then at length they were aware that unwittingly they had abandoned those men, and a fierce quarrel fell upon them, and violent tumult, for that they had sailed and left behind the bravest of their comrades. And Eason's son, bewildered by their hapless plight, said never a word, good or bad, but sat with his heavy load of grief eating out his heart, and wrath seized Telamon, and thus he spoke. Sit there at thy ease, for it was fitting for thee to leave Heracles behind, from thee the project arose, so that his glory through Hellas should not overshadow thee, if so be that heaven grants us a return home. But what pleasure is there in words, for I will go, I only with none of thy comrades who have helped thee to plan this treachery. He spoke and rushed upon Typhus, son of Hagnias, and his eyes sparkled like flashes of ravening flame, and they would quickly have turned back to the land of the Mycenaeans, forcing their way through the deep sea and the unceasing blasts of the wind, had not the two sons of Thracian Boreas held back the son of Iacus with harsh words. Hapless ones, assuredly a bitter vengeance came upon them thereafter at the hands of Heracles, because they stayed the search for him. For when they were returning from the games over Peleus dead, he slew them in sea-girt Tenos, and heaped the earth round them and placed two columns above, one of which, a great marvel for men to see, moves at the breath of the blustering north wind. These things were thus to be accomplished in after-times, but to them appeared Glaucus from the depths of the sea, the wise interpreter of divine Nereus, and raising aloft his shaggy head and chest from his waist below, with sturdy hand he seized the ship's keel, and then cried to the eager crew, 
Why against the counsel of mighty Zeus do you purpose to lead bold Heracles to the city of Aetes? At Argos it is his fate to labor for insolent Eurystheus, and to accomplish full twelve toils and dwell with the immortals, if so be that he bring to fulfillment a few more yet. Wherefore, let there be no vain regret for him. Likewise, it is destined for Polyphemus to found a glorious city at the mouth of Chius among the Mycenaeans, and to fill up the measure of his fate in the vast land of the Chalybes. But a goddess nymph through love has made Hylas her husband, on whose account those two wandered and were left behind. He spoke, and with a plunge wrapped him about the restless wave, and round him the dark water foamed in seething eddies, and dashed against the hollow ship as it moved through the sea, and the heroes rejoiced, and Telamon, son of Iacus, came in haste to Jason, and grasping his hand in his own, embraced him with these words, Son of Eason, be not wroth with me, if in my folly I have erred, for grief wrought upon me to utter a word arrogant and intolerable. But let me give my fault to the winds, and let our hearts be joined as before. Him the son of Eason with prudence addressed, Good friend, assuredly with an evil word didst thou revile me, saying before them all that I was the wronger of a kindly man. But not for long will I nurse bitter wrath, though indeed before I was grieved. For it was not for flocks of sheep, no, nor for possessions that thou wast angered to fury, but for a man, thy comrade. And I were fain thou wouldst even champion me against another man, if a like thing should ever befall me. He spoke, and they sat down, united as of old. But of those two, by the counsel of Zeus, one, Polyphemus, son of Ilatus, was destined to found and build a city among the Mycenaeans, bearing the river's name, and the other, Heracles, to return and toil at the labors of Eurystheus. And he threatened to lay waste to the Mycenaean land at once, should they not discover for him the doom of Hylas, whether living or dead. And for him they gave pledges, choosing out the noblest sons of the people, and took an oath that they would never cease from their labor of search. Therefore to this day the people of Chius inquire for Hylas, the son of Thyadamus, and take thought for the well-built Trachis, for there did Heracles settle the youths whom they sent from Chius as pledges. And all day long and all night the wind bore the ship on, blowing fresh and strong, but when dawn rose there was not even a breath of air, and they marked a beach jutting forth from a bend of the coast, very broad to behold, and by dint of rowing came to land at sunrise. Oh, nerds, thank you all so much for listening to this part three, the final part, I should say, of book one of the Argonautica. We will be seeing as we go how long the books are and what kind of length they need to be split up into. I'm going to be doing some better planning on the next ones. So we'll kind of see how it goes. But I hope you all really enjoyed this one. Um, the drama with Heracles and Hylas and them just like leaving them behind. It's also sad. Like I briefly mentioned last week, I have covered that in an episode. It should be in one of the Pride episodes featuring Heracles and Hylas because there are a lot of versions of this story that have them being pretty explicitly lovers in some kind of way and definitely feature a lot more of Heracles's grief and, and 
hurt and anger over losing Hylas and how he's just like needs to stay there and search for him. So I'd highly recommend you listen to that episode if you're interested, because it's a little bit extra fun um, and a little bit more detailed than this version in the Argonautica. But otherwise, we will be back uh, soon or next week. I haven't figured out my plan quite yet with the first part of book two of Apollonius's Argonautica. Uh, This has been fun. I hope you're all enjoying it. If you are, you know, leave me a five-star review. If not, say nothing at all. That's fine too. You are all the absolute best. I am Liv and I love this shit. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.